a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah... Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot. Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the 11th of April. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig, and how are you today? You know, I'm pretty good. I'm getting excited because I think I think we may only be a few weeks away from the first orbital launch attempt of Starship. Yes, that is absolutely amazing. And um, the latest word from Elon Musk is he's ready to go to Mars. Well, he's he's ready just to get that thing off the ground, you know. No, and, and, he's ready. Oh, I know. To Mars, I, I understand. I understand that. But I'm saying he's ready to get that giant spaceship off the ground so he can get there. Yeah, you know, he, he can't go anywhere until he gets that thing off the ground. He'll get it off the ground. You know, they're saying it might be only two or three weeks away. They're all they're waiting for now is FAA clearance. Right. Right. Everything else is ready to go. He's got, uh, he's had a whole bunch of trucks bringing in uh, liquid methane and liquid oxygen for the fuel. Um, mm-hmm. As I understand it, he's got the, uh, the fuel farm, the big tanks, all loaded up, ready to go. So, mm-hmm. you know, it could be just a matter of weeks, and that thing is going to be a tremendous lift off yes just got to keep fingers toes hair everything else crossed 39 raptor engines holy cripes yeah well they need that they're going a hell of a lot farther than the moon so they need all that power and, and this thing is a whole lot bigger than anything that has ever launched so true (laughs) you know true Keeping an eye on Boca Chica, Texas, and Mm -hmm. uh, as situation develops, we'll keep you up to date because Diana and I are space geeks, and this stuff excites us beyond belief. Yes, and and for me, it's personal because an immediate family member is directly involved on the NASA end of this, and I just can't wait. When NASA launches to the moon, I will be there for the launch. You know, I'd love to go down for that. You know, I think I think that would be something to see. I mean, that that's a little slice of history because 
We haven't been there since 19, what, 72, 73? True. You know, well, so. if you behave, well, if you behave, I'll get some extra passes. Now, what's the chance that I'm going to behave? That's true. <laughs> I mean, slim to none. I'd be running up to rockets with a lighter trying to get them to go. Yeah, I haven't been to the Cape. Um, I was a VIP guest at the Grail mission, and um, I'll be a VIP guest if it goes when NASA goes up, whether it's in conjunction with Elon Musk or whether they go on their own. Um, I love going to the Cape. I love all the excitement with the launches, and it's absolutely great when they're successful. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer when they're not, but you learn a lot either way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been at a few that um, nothing happened to them. It's just at the last minute, the weather didn't cooperate. So everybody who was invited as guests were out on the observation area where they take us to. And then at the last minute, well, this, you know, the flight is canceled. The launch is canceled because... The weather is not cooperating, or it's lightning, or whatever. When, when that's they, kind of disappointing. When they do that, do they pack up all the hors d'oeuvres? Go away? The I hors mean, d'oeuvres are back at, at the center. <laughs> okay. Well, they ought to have some out there on the observation deck. That's where people are. Well, no, no, no. The observation deck is not what you think. I call it the observation deck. When you're invited as as a VIP guest, yes, there's things at the center itself, but then you go on special buses to the actual uh, viewing area of the launch site. It, it it's different than most people think. See, if they did those things here in Nebraska, we'd be tailgating. Ah, there'd okay. be tailgate parties. People would be barbecuing. <laughs> you wouldn't get your you can't get near the launch sites without invitations yeah but i'm just saying if it was here in nebraska that's what would happen that's why they're not in nebraska <laughs> yeah and that, and that's a shame because it would be a lot of fun diane you're covering tonight trust lost and a candidate nobody no one saw coming Mm-hmm. right and i'm yes. covering the witch hunt exposed Yes. Gee, which hunt is it? Which which hunt is it? There's so many of them. I know. I know. Well this <laughs> you is can't this is count anymore. This is the one that's currently in progress. Oh, okay. Before okay. the next one. Right. It's the one before the next one, which is before the next one, which is before the one after that. Exactly. It's like never ending. Let's start with Quick Hitters and Merrick Garland, and there is some question now, and I think it's valid. Did he or did he not commit perjury when he told Congress that the Department of Justice was not trying to infiltrate the Catholic Church? Well, you know what? I think it's worse than perjury. Because it seems like it is indeed truth. He did lie about it. But what that means is the infiltration of a religious order by the government. Which is against the First Amendment. 
which is against the First Amendment. So that makes it much worse than simple perjury. Now, like you said, it looks like it actually did happen. At least there was the attempt to make it happen. Right. Right. We don't have any confirmation yet that they actually succeeded in infiltrating the Catholic Church, but why the hell would they want to? I don't know. You know, there's another group I think they should infiltrate way more than the Catholic Church. And I'm talking about a certain group whose basis is in the Middle East. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think I've heard Uh, of that. Church is the wrong word, but a certain organization, political organization, masquerading as a religion. Maybe they should infiltrate them more than the Catholic Church. The Mazulums? Yeah, those guys, the Mazuzums. <laughs> you know, it just seems so bizarre to me that the Department of Justice would want to have agents infiltrating any church in the United States. I mean... I can't think of a more clear-cut violation of the First Amendment than doing something like that. Exactly. And what what exactly were they looking for? Uh, crackers and wine? I, I, <laughs> I don't it makes, know. It makes no sense. What to, were they, seriously, what were they looking for? Maybe they're trying to figure out why they don't serve cheese at communion. Ah, cheese and crackers, huh? Yeah, cheese, crackers, and wine always seems to go together, but yet you go to a Catholic, uh, you know, mass, and there's no cheese. Mm. True. Stale crackers and and, uh, some really cheap wine, really, is what you get. But, Um, you know, seriously... What is the reason for yeah. trying to infiltrate the um, America's Catholic churches? It makes no sense. It, it, it makes no sense at all. And it, it wouldn't make any sense either if they were trying to infiltrate the Presbyterians or the Methodists or the Baptists or the Episcopalians. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, I mean, if you want to know what goes on in a church, go to church. Yeah. I mean, you know, all you got to do is be a member of the congregation. You don't have to be some double-top secret agent, you know, infiltrating the, the church if you want to find – you know, look, you and I have written articles about the Catholic Church and their connection to deep state, you know, but mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going to find that by infiltrating the Catholic Church in the U.S. You've got to go to the Vatican to find that. Right, Exactly. And what this really is, is this is the federal government weaponizing itself again. Yeah, in, in this case, as a matter of religion. Look, in, in, this, in this country, everybody's allowed to believe whatever they want to believe. They can go to whatever right. church they want to go to. The government has a clear mandate to stay the hell out of it. Right. As they should. As they should. The only one I think that if they had to infiltrate, and which I wish they had done a little bit more after uh, 9-11, is the mosques. Right. 
Right, but but we all know that is a political entity, not a religion. It's an ideology, not a religion. Right. Right, and so that kind of opens it up. That that you know, I think a, a strong case can be made that that would not be a violation of the First Amendment. But this is just beyond the pale, you know. And, and like you ask, I mean, a valid question. What are they looking for? I mean, what do they want to know? And, and why the Catholic Church over the Baptists? Yeah, I mean, I can't think. I've been trying to think of what they're after. The Catholic Church is very open in the sense of, okay, they're against abortion. They're against premarital sex. They, they have certain political ideologies, but they don't try to hide it. So what are they after? I mean, the only thing they really... Money paper trail? Back to what? Again, you you can follow all that, but you have to go all the way back to the Vatican. Right. You know, I mean, uh, the only thing really the Catholic Church tries to hide and has hidden, um, you know, for a long time, centuries uh, probably, is sexual misconduct uh, within the, the priesthood. But... You know, uh, that is no longer a secret. Right. So this this makes no sense. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. But then again, nothing from Obama to Biden, leave tr- the Trump era out of it. Nothing in the Ob- Obama era, nothing in the Biden era really makes any sense well what it is and this is my just my speculation the catholic church is the biggest church um in in the u.s Mm -hmm. i mean i think you've got more catholics in the u.s than you do any other uh you know uh, sect right right and so by infiltrating the catholic church you're literally planting government agents in there in order to disrupt the largest religious order in the U.S., which is something that only a communist or socialist, maybe Marxist uh, regime would want to do, because one of the things that they can't stand is when people believe in an entity bigger than the government. Right. And that could very well be. It's to keep them in line to keep them from getting their messages out as opposed to the government messages. Remember, the Catholic Church is against a lot of things the federal government is doing. Well, yeah, you know, and, and so are other churches, but the Catholics being the largest, uh, you know, religious entity in the U.S., maybe that's why. I don't know. Could be. Uh, uh, Joe Biden has signed a new bill, Diane. What did he bring an end to? Oh, dear. How silly. I ask you the- because you're you're ultimately more familiar with this topic than anybody else on the planet. <laughs> the COVID emergency is over. Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. According to Biden, he signed a bill. Now, I didn't know this. Maybe you did, Craig. But signing a bill puts an end to a disease. Well, if that's the case, why wasn't that done about three years ago? Because COVID was weaponized also. 
Hmm. Hard to believe. Yeah, isn't it, though? I mean, (laughs) this is the silliest, silliest thing I have ever heard. So apparently Sunday, we were still in a COVID emergency. People had to buckle down, lock themselves away, wear 100 masks, not touch anything. That was Sunday. Yesterday, it ended. Everything's okay now. Go about your business. Well, actually, it ended today. It actually went into effect today. It might have been signed yesterday, but it went into effect today. Uh, but this is this is a joke, an absolute joke. And I get into a little of this in my article for today. Now, can, can I just, again, make uh, a speculation on this? Sure. Could it be that the Biden regime has decided they've milked COVID far beyond any possible extra drop? Well, to be honest with you, they have to let COVID fade away because you know in 2024 another disease is going to surface and we right know what it, before the election. And we know what it is. Because yesterday, the announcement was made that in some part of the country, the wild Ebolas are on the loose. Not in this country. There's a surge in Ebola in Africa, which means who is going to pick up on it? The World Health Organization. It's going to start going and hopping from country to country, continent to continent, eventually arriving here. However, I don't think that's it. Really? I think, nope, I think there is going to be another coronavirus of sorts, COVID to me, and again, I get into this a little later, COVID was a test run that got released too soon. We're going to see another reemergence of a COVID-type illness than what Maybe. COVID was. They, they're going to have perfected through gain of function what COVID was supposed to be, but it was released too soon. Maybe it's going to be the rock and pneumonia and the boogie-woogie flu. Who knows? Who I knows? Mean, but something will reemerge around the time the we're going to start seeing it, in my opinion, around the time of the primaries, the nomination, and it's going to start, you know, building up as we get nearer to the actual presidential election. Well, I think you're right. And you want to know why? Why? Because I'm always right? No, no. Certainly <laughs> certainly not that. <laughs> it's because Joe Biden's going to have to have an excuse to campaign from his basement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ebola, you know, as bad as Ebola is, and nobody's making light of Ebola, the disease Ebola is more indigenous to poorer countries, to poorer continents. It's not, you might have a case, a few cases here in the United States, but it's not really the kind of disease that hits here. It runs through Africa, through parts of Asia. It's not going to be Ebola. Isn't there always some sort of an Ebola outbreak in Africa? Yes. I mean, it's kind of like mattress sales over here. It's always happening. 
It's always happening to certain degrees, certain variations. Um, it's just part of the continent of Africa. Well, lucky um, Africa. Yeah, and a lot of it crosses over from, you know, the the um, ape population. And it, it, it's just indigenous to that continent. They can keep it under control. The, the more advanced countries of Africa do keep it under control. But it's not something that we really need to worry about. What we really right. need to worry about is this gain-of-function nonsense, which really, when you think about it, are bioweapons. That's what we need to worry about. I agree. And COVID was, in, uh, uh, and I stand by this, COVID was a bioweapon released too soon. Yeah, it was either released too soon or it was a, a trial run for something bigger. You know, let's way, let's let's see thing. how you know let's see how far we can get this to spread and how fast you know right and I'll get into that later um, but it's not going to be Ebola that's going to get us it's going to be a, a, a variation of what has happened these past couple of years that's in my opinion I think you're probably right um, let's talk about hunters business partners because now <coughs> we have. The documentation that shows his business partners visited the White House 80 times, eight zero times, while Joe was the VP. Now, this is quite a shock because Joe swore he never knew anything about Hunter's business dealings. Well, dear old Uncle Joe is a pathological liar from day one. Really? Uh, yes. <laughs> Okay. Statement of fact. Um, what gets me here it is, we now have a Republican House, and yes, they're doing investigations, and I understand the House cannot bring charges. That We all know that. However, the fact that Hunter is still walking free and Trump is being indicted left and right for every little thing, there's something very wrong here. Yeah, there is. And if we don't correct this, Hunter's going to get off with everything. Oh, I, I, we, I, I think he is. I, I think he already has. Yeah, and we're going to see President Trump being hauled off to jail if we don't stop this nonsense in fact i'll bet you on the way out the door joe pardons hunter for anything of course you know and, and that's that's the end of that tune i mean yeah. you know if that happens here's the thing that most people aren't thinking about when they see this story that hunter's business partners visited the white house 80 times while joe was the vp you know, Joe wasn't the only one hanging around in the White House. Now, there was a certain um, man, shall we say. Um, Michelle? As in Obama. Michelle Obama? No, I'm talking about Obama, Barack Obama. Oh, okay. I have a feeling he's involved in this up to his eyeballs. You almost have to think so because, you know, 
the vice president has an office away from the White House. Right. So if these business partners from China and Ukraine are hanging out at the White House mm-hmm. eight, 80 times, are, are they really meeting with only the vice president in the White House no. 80 times? Come on. No. And, you know, people forget something. And with Ukraine, and Ukraine was part of these meetings, the people that Hunter was talking to was not Zelensky. No. It was the president before Zelensky, the one that Obama supported. I forget his name offhand. Zelensky didn't come in until, what, 18 or 19? 19. These charges against Hunter, they go back. Before 16. So you have to understand these people that keep talking, oh, Zelensky's a crook and this and all, you know, that he's not. You've got to go back to the man that Obama supported. Right. Who pushed for. So if he's there pushing for the person that they're meeting with in the White House and having dealings with and on phone calls and everything, you've got to get your time frames correct, folks, because a lot of people aren't. Hunter was dealing with a regime that Obama helped get into power. Well, we're going to keep an eye on this. Yep, we're going to keep an eye on this because I don't think we've seen the last of the documentation of who was at the White House and when. I think but like there's you more. said, none of it's going to matter. None right. of it's going to matter because Biden could. Now, I don't know, though. It's easy to say he'll pardon him, but then you cross the line into nepotism. Can he really pardon his own son? He can pardon anybody he wants to. He'll pardon anybody whose paper they put in front of him because he doesn't even know what he's signing. But it doesn't mean it's legal. It is legal. He can pardon any. You know, a president can pardon himself. It's perfectly yeah, legal. That's true. It's one hundred percent legal. Look, we've got a couple of minutes here, and we need to get into this whole U.S. Taiwan dynamic because Taiwan right. is, or I mean, China is rattling sabers uh, over Taiwan right now. And what do you think, Diane, is going to happen there? I think China will do a low-key attempt at an invasion. I don't think they'll go full force into there because a lot of people in Congress, and I believe rightly so, think we need to step up and defend Taiwan militarily. Because if we don't, after having made promises to them, after them, Uh, This is a fact a lot of people don't know. Taiwan has never been part of China since the communists took over. What the communist regime is trying to say is that historically they're part of China. It doesn't work that way, folks. Taiwan has always been separate from China since the communists and Mao took over. The other thing to remember is that if we do not defend Taiwan one of our biggest trading partners in the sense that the three top U.S. imports from Taiwan are computers, 
computer parts, and computer chips. Besides them being a buffer in that part of the world, we will lose all, every ounce of respect on the world stage, and rightly so. And to France and Macron, I say, you guys can go to hell. Because France has already said they will not support the U.S. military going into Taiwan. See, I think China, they're right now, I think they're looking at things real close and real hard because they know if they're going to make a move on Taiwan, they're going to want to do it while Joe Biden is still fogging a mirror in office. They're not going to want to wait. Uh, If they wait uh, until 2025, uh, Joe may well be out of office, and it may be a much more uh, hardline approach because Joe is obviously backing China. Um, Well, it's it's one of the few things he's done right. Well, I'm not just talking about against Taiwan. I'm talking about he's in China's pocket. Oh, no, I mean, the only thing he's done right is sticking up for Taiwan. That's what I I meant. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that he's in China's pocket. Okay, a Republican president will not be in China's pocket. No. Um, They're taking a chance if they wait until the uh, the 2024 election to find out the outcome. I think we have to be, there's a lot of people that say, well, they're, they're not going to do anything till at least 2027. I think that's, uh, I think that's foolish to believe that. I, I think if they think they've got a chance now, they'll do it now. Well, they did a little mini test run just a few days ago. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it's more than saber rattling. I think it's more than propaganda. I think they're honestly looking at it. But that's another thing we're going to have to keep an eye on because I think we're going to see a lot more activity coming from China towards Taiwan over the next several months. But with that, Diane, okay. we've hit the bottom of the hour. We've got to take the bottom of the hour break. Otherwise, we'll never get to your segment, which is trust lost in a candidate no one saw coming. And then we'll be way beyond behind by the time we get to my segment the witch hunt exposed true so folks let's do that let's take the bottom of the hour break when we come back diane's got it and there's more right side patriots after this you're listening to right side patriots radio the best in conservative commentary news and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on the patriotfactor.blogspot.com. 
where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show. If you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning. Click the podcast button and help yourself. Okay. All right. So, Diane, you've taken on kind of a, well, I guess for lack of a better term, a twofer. Um, right. And at first blush, people may think these really are kind of disconnected issues, but they're not. Trust lost and a candidate no one saw coming. Okay. Two key issues for me were in the forefront last week, and they're not Trump-related per se. Two issues that might actually have more lasting ramifications for we the people than all the bogus charges surrounding our 45th president do. And the first issue comes in the guise of a question a question that not only remains on a lot of people's minds now that the COVID pandemic is over, even Joe Biden finally admitted so, sarcastically said, of course, but a question that demands answers, as in, can we, the American people, ever trust the CDC again, the very federal agency tasked with protecting public health and safety? I believe the answer is both simple and telling in my emphatically stating no, we cannot. And I'm not alone in my feelings for well over half of all Americans no longer trust the CDC. But to be honest, I never really did. And why? Because these vaccine booster happy government agency folks long ago ditched true science and medical facts in favor of the almighty dollar and a leftist political agenda. And it's the COVID lies, subterfuge, and truths kept hidden that have finally woken we the people up, some of us anyway, to the fact that those who bought into what the CDC was selling were in reality but unbeknownst human guinea pigs, courtesy of a rush to market vaccine, without any knowing of its potential side effects and or both short and long-term health risks. And those in the Biden administration who promised to listen to the science, as in scientists and medical experts, in regards to said vaccine and its much-needed follow-up boosters, in fact, only listened to those folks who said what they wanted to hear, which in turn Biden and crew then spewed out to the gullible and fearful masses. And most of those lies originated and came from the lips of Dr. Anthony Fauci, ground zero for the entire COVID-19 debacle. For if he hadn't lied 
to President Trump about not only what COVID really was, in my opinion, a bioweapon, but how and why it came to be, as in from gain-of-function research. Many of our fellow Americans lost to COVID might still be alive today. And that is indeed scientific fact. For vaccine-related deadly heart issues and now disclosed possible blindness unknown at the beginning of the epidemic, or I should say pandemic, are now cropping up nationwide in certain age groups. And it's all courtesy of the CDC pushing Biden to issue ever so misplaced recommendations, guidelines, and the continuation of silly jab and mask mandates that were not in we the people's best interests, all while pushing forward their decidedly leftist political agenda. But Craig, know that here, I'm not talking about the 2020 election in which Fauci did maliciously use the pandemic as but one means of seeing that President Trump would not get reelected, but about an even more nefarious objective in mind, as in UN Agenda 30 and its follow-up Agenda 50. But to see the being overlooked by the media correlation between COVID and future happenings, one needs to first understand exactly what gain-of-function is and how it feeds directly into the two UN agendas. You know, let me back up here just a second. I want to just say right off the top that I agree with you. Nobody should trust the CDC anymore. Uh, And CDC, for those of you who don't know, it stands for Center for Despotic Corruption. Um, (laughs) And and that alone is reason enough not to trust them uh, any further. But as we look at what happened, and, and this goes back to 2020, um, there are multiple facets uh, to the corruption that was spread not only by the CDC but by Fauci himself. Um, there's a, there's more than one thing that was covered up, right? Right. Simply, the media and our government did try to conceal the indisputable fact that the COVID-19 virus was leaked, whether deliberately or not, from China's Wuhan Institute of Virology. And compounding matters was the fact that COVID-19 itself was created courtesy of -of gain-of-function research, research that saw Chinese scientists having, with NIAID funding, genetically manipulating and morphing through bioengineering what was a naturally occurring bat virus into a successful attempt to produce a more infectious and more deadly virus, a bioweapon that spread worldwide, killing millions of innocent people. Creating more infectious and deadly viruses is the main purpose of -of gain-of-function research, after all. Dr. Fauci and I had deliberately lied to President Trump and to the American people to cover for NIAID's funding and their combined knowing of what was going on in the Wuhan lab. And while we know that not enough research has been done to date on the ramifications of newly emerging and sometimes deadly viruses, viruses that will fuel on the sure-to-come next pandemic, we also know that the CDC is both ill-prepared in regards to public safety risks when a pathogen, read virus, escapes a laboratory, whether deliberately released or by accident. 
and in making publicly known what is in actuality a bioweapon and not a virus per se. And when the markers and treatment for viruses and bioweapons caused illnesses are vastly different, their shared commonality is that gain-of-function research was involved in both and that the outcome, death-wise, might well be the same or much worse. And when all components are added together, from the viruses released to deaths accumulated, to Dr. Anthony Fauci himself, gain-of-function research, and the media covered up lies about what COVID-19 really was, as in a bioweapon test run, all feeds directly into the hope for ultimate fulfillment of the UN Agendas 30 and 50. How so? With Agenda 30 being the completion of now in effect Agenda 21, 21, the comprehensive program regarding strategies for both halting and reversing the effects of so-called environmental degradation through the promotion of sustainable and environmentally sound development in all countries, sustainable becomes but a way for the UN and global elitists to lay the groundwork for deciding just how many people will be allowed to survive what with Earth's ecosystem fast uh, deteriorating, or so these folks claim. And when you add in Agenda 50, the final fulfillment of sustainable development, which actually morphs into no longer being disguised population control, what better way to lower economically overburdening overburdening population numbers than to kill off millions of people with a bioengineered virus that's been adjusted to be more deadly by a gain-of-function research. But Craig, where COVID-19 failed in its being released too soon, the perfected COVID-19 virus was not ready for final dispersal in 2019 and 2020. The next virus, the next real bioweapon will be released on schedule and make COVID-19 death numbers pale in comparison. Now, before you get to the second part of your op-ed, looking forward with this whole COVID-19, CDC, UN, I mean, all the usual suspects are wrapped up in this, including Fauci. What do you see going forward? I mean, are, are people going to follow the the government line or are they going to buck the government system well let's put it this way the cdc will sound the alarm while the foolish again line up to be jabbed and boosted with the words bioweapon and antidote like they were with covid19 words that could have saved countless american lives they'll be nowhere in the cdc's our governments or the media's discourse Now, that's trust, rightfully, and forever lost. Trust not worthy of ever being found. And folks know that NIAID, which I mentioned before, is the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And guess who was the head of that? None other than Dr. Fauci. So, the second of last week's issues that, to me, are of paramount importance comes in the guise of a simple announcement that just could, if played right, seal the 2024 presidential election for
for the Democrats, a scary and dangerous scenario indeed. We all know that even Democrats do not want Joe Biden to run for president again, with the whys being obvious, as in his failures at the southern border, inflation at a 40-year high, crime running rampant in America's streets, our economy floundering at best, foreign policy initiatives that border on surrender. The list is endless and grows by the day. And not to be forgotten is Biden's age, his mental acuity or lack thereof, his obvious physical decline, his woke acquiescing. This list remains open-ended as well. But up until now, what choice did the Democrats have? The joke that is Kamala Harris? I really think not. The Democrats' field of choices ranges from the left to the far-left progressive. Choices truly not palatable to the vast majority of mainstream Democrats, thus leaving Joe Biden as their only possible choice. Unknown, that is, until last week when Robert F. Kennedy Jr. officially threw his hat into the primary nomination ring. So why is this man's entry into the presidential race a key issue? Because RFK Jr. could, if he plays his cards right, actually win the presidency when pitted against either President Trump or Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. Why so? Because not only does the Kennedy name remain like gold to those with a D after their name, but he could garner fence-sitting independents, the never-Trumpers, and even some of those Republicans who think another Trump presidency would be but a tiring rerun of witch hunt after witch hunt as well. Plus, another all-important fact, probably the most important fact of all, that I'll speak of in a bit. And surely not to be ignored is the fact that this man, a Democrat, is decidedly, like many of we Republicans, an anti-COVID vaccine proponent. He even published a best-selling book, The Real Anthony Fauci, where he accused Fauci and his buddy Bill Gates of a, quote, historic coup d'etat against Western democracy, end quote, which helps him be a bit more palatable palatable to those Democrats who do want an entirely new candidate. And Craig, while a Kennedy nomination might turn some Democrats off, especially those who don't do so, idolize Fauci and crew, the truths now coming out about the vaccine and boosters, ever-increasing dangerous and sometimes deadly side effects, might just cancel out the fact that Democrats were the majority of those who rolled up their sleeves to get jabbed. Now, I'm going to ask a rhetorical question because I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this. And that's, you know, if uh, RFK Jr. runs, where do you personally stand on it? But, you know, uh, looking forward from that, this announcement by RFK Jr., was not out of the blue. I mean, there were signs that he was thinking about it, right? Yes, there were. But before we get into that, um, many of you might wonder if I, a Republican slash conservative, would vote for Kennedy. The answer is unequivocally no. Simply, I would never vote 
for any Democrat for president or for any federal or state office. But unfortunately, others, especially the never Trumpers, just might do so. Now, back in March of this year, Kennedy said that, quote, if I run, my top priority will be to end the corrupt merger between state and corporate power that has ruined our economy, shattered the middle class, polluted our landscapes and waters, poisoned our children and robbed us of our values and freedoms. Kind of channeling his inner Uncle JFK in a way, a way that it could appeal not only to Democrats, but to the aforementioned independent voters as well. And while Kennedy is a true conservationist, not all such folks nor their ideas are bad. In fact, according to news reports out of New York, existing plans to discharge radioactive water into the Hudson River, a part of so-called decommissioning, have been accelerated as in sped up, which I believe is an issue Kennedy will lack onto and hopefully help stop. This would make him a hero, not only in New York and with most Democrats, but with others not in his party for the discharging of radioactive water into America's rivers, streams, and lakes has become a nationwide hot-button issue. But the bottom line remains... Could Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who recently said, quote, they're putting in 5G to harvest our, our data and control our behavior, digital currency that will allow them to punish us from a distance, end quote. Could he not only garner the Democrat nomination, but who, could he really beat whomever the Republican nominee is? And as I stated at the beginning, I believe, yes, Kennedy can and it's not because he or his policies are better than Joe Biden's, but because of the always ongoing divisions and infighting within the Republican Party. Divisions and infighting that will remain even after the nominations are done. And it's thanks to the likes of the never Trumpers and only Trumpers, both of whom will become spoilers if their candidate of choice is not the Republican nominee. Democrats are known for rallying around their nominee, no matter who the nominee is, proving for them that party loyalty trumps all, when for we Republicans and conservatives, it seems, name-calling, accusations, and stubbornness in our willingness to bend or accept viewpoints even slightly different than our own might just be our downfall come 2024. Very sad indeed case closed. You know, it's a lot to think about. And, you know, I look at this RFK Jr. thing maybe a little differently uh, than Diane does, but you can't discount what Diane says. I mean, Mm -hmm. when when you read through this op-ed, and especially the second half of it, and you look into this RFK Jr. announcement, you can't just brush it aside and say, nah, he's not going to make it. You know, I mean, there is that Kennedy mystique. How yes. how golden that is, I don't know. And I guess we're going to find out over the next year, uh, because a year from now we're going to be looking at primary elections. But, you know, we're going to find out, you know, what that means in the 21st century, 
uh, it meant a lot in the 20th century, but you know how how is the media going to react? I mean, a lot of the things Kennedy says that a lot of Republicans and even some conservatives might agree with, like the uh, the vaccines and uh, the 5G and and all that. The mainstream media in this country, Diane, they have relegated that line of thinking to crackpot, tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy nuts. That's very true. But you know what? There's starting to be a movement in this country, especially in certain states, as many Democrat-elected representatives to state legislatures are leaving the party and becoming Republicans. There were two in the span of about a week and a half that did so in Louisiana. Right. There is some Republicans that are waking them that are waking up basically. Whether you call them Kennedy Republicans or moderate Republicans, there are some that we are waking up. They're tired also of certain things that are going on. Now they could switch over from the left and become more moderate. It's not unheard of. And there's also rumages that um, our friend Joe Manchin is being egged on to run. And that would make an interesting dynamic at all. Uh, Also, because... Joe Manchin has sided with Republicans on a number of issues. Well, wouldn't that so wouldn't that put wouldn't that put Manchin and Kennedy at loggerheads uh, vying for the more moderate vote in the Democrat Party? Yes, it would, which could fracture the party and allow whoever the Republican Republican nominee to get in. But as long as our party is loaded with never Trumpers and only Trumpers, we can lose again. That's an addition, of course, to the voting irregularities, use your air quotes, folks. Um, those have to be corrected. They have to be because we can have the best candidate in the world. And if the fraud and the the um Voting officials still are dishonest. We could still lose. There's too many things going against us. But the way I look at it right now is our party has to become like the Democrats in one respect. The Democrats always rally behind who their nominee is. The never Trumpers and the only Trumpers, and I will take this on next week, Whoever the Republican nominee is, have to rally together against that, uh, I mean, with that person. Well, that goes... We cannot go against whoever that nominee is. You know, that goes back to Abraham Lincoln saying a house divided cannot stand. Most Republicans don't listen to that, unfortunately. Yeah, but it's true. You know, and, and you're right, they don't. But that doesn't make it any less true. And, uh, you know, and and the, the, I guess the binding agent between the two halves of this op-ed is the COVID thing because RFK Jr. is decidedly against the COVID vaccines. The COVID vaccines are decidedly corrupt. Uh, the whole movement to get vaxxed and revaxxed and boosted is entirely corrupt. 
you know, so that's how these two seemingly separate topics kind of fall together. Trust Lost and a Candidate No One Saw Coming is the title of Diane's op-ed this week, and you can find it at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or at rspradio1.com. Either way, you can grab the link, and we hope you share it everywhere because I think there's a lot of good information in it. And, Diane, what's the response been, especially to the whole Kennedy thing that you've gotten since you published this yesterday? I'm totally amazed because there are, I can't even tell you how many comments to the effect, oh, my God, you're right, a Kennedy that could be our downfall. We could lose. There are people that are so agreeing with me on this. But here, let me add one important fact that a lot of people don't know. There was one particular man who urged JFK Jr. to run, and that man was General Flynn. And that is quite telling. As telling as it is, that unfortunately, President Trump is breaking Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment. Yeah, thou, thou shalt not speak ill of fellow Republicans. Right. You know, and that, that all lends itself to the fracturing of the party that you mentioned in the op-ed. Yes. It all ties together, folks. We need to wake up to the fact of what COVID was and could morph into. We need to wake up to the fact that we need to stand by whomever that nominee is. Many people know I'm a DeSantis supporter for for 2024. However, I have publicly and in writing admitted if Trump gets the nomination, he gets my support and he gets my vote. And that's that's the way we all have to be. Many Trump supporters who I've asked to do so will not do so. I get the thing, oh, he'll run third party or we'll write in his name. That is how we'll lose. Yeah, that's a recipe for instant loss. Exactly. I mean, a third party isn't going to win. A write-in candidate isn't going to win. You know, if your candidate of choice leading into the primaries does not receive the nomination on the Republican side... Suck it up, buttercup, and get behind whoever the nominee turns out Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it is more critical now than ever. Yep, it just is. Folks, you can get Diane's op ed. Trust lost and a candidate no one saw coming either at her blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or at rspradio1.com. Grab the link, give it a read, hang on to it, because I think there's a lot of information there that is going to, let's say, have a brighter light shined on it in the very near future. And share it. Share that link everywhere you can. That's important. Yes. we got to get the word out, folks. We've got... A year and a half to get our party right. You know, and we'll keep an eye on the whole RFK Jr. thing. Um, you know, the announcement is only a week old. He hasn't really had time to do a whole lot of campaigning. Right. Um, you know, we'll see how that coalesces. We'll see if, if uh, a campaign comes together 
for him and and how much momentum he can build. You know, I think six months from now, we're going to know a lot more about his chances than we do tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Time, time is of the essence, but we're also running out of time. We'll see who else gets in on the left side of the aisle, too, because exactly, you know, there, there could be other dark horses out there that we haven't thought of. So exactly. We'll wait and see. Folks, we've hit the top of the hour. That means we got to take a quick break, get a couple of station IDs in. One more segment on the show to go tonight. When we come back, I'll be talking about the witch hunt exposed. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hey guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, Check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show. And, of course, if you miss any part of it, go to RSPRadio1.com. Do that tomorrow morning. Click the podcast button and you are automatically festooned as a pod person. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty simple. And you can get all the articles you want right there you get all the shows you want right there right all right so this week uh you know because this whole thing with uh donald trump and the indictment and all that uh has continued to fester and it will for a few more months um i decided to look into it again now that we actually saw what the indictment has to say yeah, you more, know, more nonsense. Yeah, when when you and I talked about this a week ago, the uh, the indictment had just come down a week ago today, 
um, and we hadn't really seen or had a chance to see in full what the indictment spelled out. Now, given a week's time, we have had that opportunity, so I came out with the witch hunt exposed. Last week on CNN, John Bolton called President Trump, quote, a cancer on the Republican Party, unquote. Bolton, who was speaking to CNN regarding the indictment against Trump by Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, said the document itself was, quote, speaking as someone who is very strong or who very strongly does not want Donald Trump to get the Republican presidential nomination. I'm extraordinarily distressed by this document. I think this is even weaker than I feared it would be, unquote. Make no mistake, it's not that Bolton is angry that Trump was indicted. It's that Bolton is mad because the indictment had to be based on thin air, fairy dust, and unicorn farts. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley, a Democrat himself, said last week that the indictment of Trump was a, quote, legal slurpee, unquote. To be exact, what Turley said was, and I quote, I have never seen an indictment quite like this one. I know a lot of judges that would have been not too pleased to receive an indictment like this and would have said, you know, what the heck is this? I mean, what are you alleging? And Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg just sort of waved it off and said, I don't have to really say. But my question is, how did the grand jury understand what it was doing? We will see a little better with the bill of particulars, but it really raises concerns as to how well the grand jury understood these key linchpins because this thing has the feeling of a legal slurpee. It's instantly satisfying but it has no nutritional value. There's really nothing there, unquote. So how much of nothing is there in that indictment? Plenty. In fact, D.A. Alvin Bragg based his entire case against Donald Trump on a felony crime that Trump was supposedly trying to cover up by committing a misdemeanor. Diane, it had to be that way to elevate a misdemeanor to a felony. Legally, for a misdemeanor to rise to the level of a felony, the misdemeanor must have been committed in order to cover up another crime. So, what was that other crime? Well, according to Bragg, he's not sure, because nowhere in the indictment does it specify what the other crime was. It's, it's almost ludicrous that this was even brought forth because if you can't find the crime, what he's doing is making up a crime. And that's a crime in itself against him. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And, and, and just to be clear here, Bragg admits by omission that he could not find a crime. But he's so sure there was one that he somehow convinced 12 out of 
23 grand jury members to indict Trump anyway. And Bragg basically told the judge that he didn't have to name the other crime ahead of the indictment or at the time of the indictment for that matter. But he says he will reveal it at a later date. Now, that's the DA two-step version of you have to pass the bill in order to find out what's in the bill. But it gets even stranger. Many on the left and Bolton, people of his ilk on the right, were all hoping and speculating that there was tax fraud involved in whatever the indictment against Trump was. So, was there tax fraud involved? Well, according to Alvin Bragg, yes, there was. But you might want to sit down while I tell you just how dastardly Trump was in committing the tax fraud Bragg managed to uncover. Bragg's indictment of President Trump was legally bound to include a finding of facts, and it was in that finding of facts where we see the tax fraud committed by President Trump. As it turns out, Trump committed tax fraud by paying more taxes to the state of New York than he was act- than was actually owed. Now that's right. Donald Trump, the 45th president of these United States, slimy fraud that he is, cheated on his taxes by overpaying what he owed. Here it is as a direct quote from Bragg's finding of facts. Quote, The participants also took steps that mischaracterized for tax purposes the true nature of the payments made in furtherance of the scheme, unquote. Well, what does that exactly mean? Well, it means that Michael Cohen took $130,000 in a personal loan to pay off Stormy Daniels and then billed the Trump Business Organization $180,000 in legal fees to cover the cost. Cohn's payment was recorded as legal fees when Bragg said it was hush money plus an extra fee to cover the taxes. The taxes, by the way, that Cohn owed on legal fees but wouldn't have owed for money transferred from the Trump to Daniels accounts via Cohen. Because the reimbursement payments to Cohen were recorded as legal fees, because that was the way Cohen billed them to the Trump business organization, and because Trump overpaid his taxes based on that accounting error, Bragg claims that Trump is guilty of tax fraud. To the tax fraud committed by Trump, Bragg also claims that there is business fraud involved. Really, Diane? And just who did Trump supposedly defraud? Basically, I mean, when you boil it down, he defrauded no one. How can you defraud somebody when you're overpaying (laughs) It it just makes no sense. In other words, he gave the government more money than the government was owed. Shouldn't they be happy and just shut their mouths? Well, now that may be the most insightful yet stupid question I've been asked all day, all at the same time. And it's only stupid because to even have to ask it means the, the situation makes no sense at all. 
None. None. <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? Look, <laughs> as Bragg failed to explain just who the victim of the business fraud was, and because Trump actually cheated when he overpaid his New York taxes, that leaves only one possible victim of business fraud, Trump himself. And I'm no legal expert, but since when is it a crime to defraud yourself by overpaying on your taxes? Uh, Is that the end of it? Or is there more of nothing that needs to be brought to light where Alvin Bragg's indictment of President Trump is concerned. Yes, there's still more of nothing that needs to be exposed. Bragg argues in the indictment that it all ties back to federal election violations, and that is yet another nothing burger. Alvin Bragg is a Manhattan DA, not a federal DA, and thus has no jurisdiction over any case of federal election law violations. And add to that that both the Trump Department of Justice and the Biden Department of Justice, the former Manhattan DA and the Federal Election Commission all investigated this supposed case for several years, and not one of them could find a crime in any of it. In fact, they all, even Alvin Bragg himself, at one time refused to prosecute it for the very simple reason that none of them could identify any crime. But wait, there's more. In 2018, Michael Cohn pled guilty to federal tax crimes and campaign finance violations directly related to this entire Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal thing. Cohn pled guilty to the exact thing Bragg is charging against Trump, and while the matter was deeply investigated by the Federal Election Commission and Bragg's predecessor, Cyrus Vance, no charges were brought against Trump because they couldn't find a crime committed by Trump. And let's not forget that Cohn is on the record and in and his own attorney is on the record as stating that the whole thing was Cohn's idea that Donald Trump, not the Trump business organization, nor the Trump campaign had anything to do with it. That's a whole lot of nothing that Bragg will have to overcome at a trial. So, Diane, that's it, right? I mean, the whole thing, the whole nothing burger, right? Well... Let's put it this way. How can you have a case when the person, as in Stormy Daniels, who was supposed to be, you know, the receiver of hush money, has admitted no affair ever happened? Well, if no affair ever happened, then all that proves is that Cohen was an idiot to pay her for something that never happened. There's more to Cohen than there ever is to President Trump's involvement in this. Absolutely. Not only that, but the statute of limitations in a misdemeanor mm-hmm. is two years. And in this case against Trump, that statute of limitations exceeded its use-by date by five years. Right. And as I've already explained, the Soros-backed brag is trying to raise it to a felony by more than dubious means, but the statute of limitations on such a felony has also expired. Bragg, in order to charge Trump with a manufactured felony, must extend the statute of limitations by claiming Trump was 
out of New York and that the DA's office was unable to bring him back from out of state or they simply couldn't find him. Now, between January 2017 and January 2021, Trump was indeed out of state, but he wasn't very difficult to find as he was living in the White House and in front of cameras nearly every single day. As to Bragg's claim they couldn't arrest him or indict him because he was out of state, well, it didn't stop Bragg from indicting Trump when Trump was in Florida last week, did it? To recap, Alvin Bragg manufactures a case against Trump out of thin air, raised a supposed misdemeanor to a felony via legal gymnastics, charged President Trump with crimes that never occurred, alleged that the original crime that never happened were committed to cover up another crime, which he fails to name. He violated the statute of limitations. He's acting outside of his jurisdiction. And his key witness is a bucket of slime who has already pled guilty to the exact thing he's charging Trump with doing. There's one more item for this list, and that is that Bragg actually violated Trump's Sixth Amendment rights by not naming the other crime, which Bragg alleges Trump was trying to cover up, the phantom crime which Bragg used to elevate the charges from a misdemeanor to a felony. And Diane, the further you look into this thing, the weirder it gets. So is that, you think, about the end of it? Well, when you're dealing with Democrats, simply stated... Nope, that's not the end of it. They will continue on and on and on and hope that eventually they actually hit on something, which 99.99% of the time, they never do. And that's very true. Look, there's also the matter of prosecutorial overreach and that Bragg is charging Trump with 34 felonies. Let's say that Sticky Fingers McThief walks into your home and steals your entire collection of celebrity hair clippings. All 100 of them. Old Sticky Fingers is charged with one count of burglary. Not 100 counts, but in this case, Bragg has charged Trump with 34 counts related to the number of installment checks (laughs) cut to Michael Cohn. Now, that's what's called overcharging in legal circles. And it's what you do when you want to maximize public perception if you have no real legal grounds. The case Bragg has manufactured here is shakier than a crack addict running a jackhammer and should be more than enough to have it tossed out of court. But this is New York City, where nearly 90% of voters voted for Biden. That means that the jury will be decidedly anti-Trump, and the judge also has an anti-Trump bent, as he donated to Biden's campaign and his own daughter worked for cackling Kamala Harris and her dismal presidential campaign. The best that Trump can hope for, or the worst, is a hung jury. In the best-case scenario, a hung jury means that no conviction comes out. In the worst case, a hung jury means that a retrial, thus stringing things out, is in effect. 
While I believe that a conviction on such a transparently political case built out of a house of cards would be overturned quickly upon appeal to a higher court, maybe the United States Supreme Court, I don't believe the ultimate goal for Bragg is to win, just to be uh, or, or just to tie Trump up in legal red tape when combined with what I believe are equally bogus cases regarding Atlanta, Mar-a-Lago, the January 6th whole thing, uh, even this rape trial from some almost 30 years ago, um, they want to tie him up and keep him from seriously campaigning. In the meantime, Donald Trump is raking in the campaign cash due to the increasingly more evident witch hunt and his poll numbers for now are rising it's still a long time to the nomination almost a year and an even longer road to the 2024 election so anything can happen but in the short term and that's important to note in the short term it seems that even donald trump's baggage is made of gold Now, there's one important thing that you did not mention in this article. There could be one more outcome to this trial or possibility. If Trump's attorneys play it right, they could ask, not ask, but demand a change of of venue. Well, and and that's, that's, you're certainly right. And I expect them to uh, put in for a change of venue. I also expect that it won't happen. Uh, that That is really up to the judge, uh, whether or not they get a change of venue. And this judge, you and I both know, is not going to grant anything that might be beneficial to Donald Trump. Right. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and, uh, and and let's face it the the other the other card that you don't mention there is the fact that even if the the judge did not donate very much money, and that's still a question how much and how little, but the judge donated not only to the Biden campaign but to also to very liberal organizations, and the dr- judge's daughter worked in that dismal Kamala Harris campaign for president back in 2020. So, I mean, there is also uh, reason to believe that the Trump attorney's team will ask for the judge to be dismissed and replaced by a different judge. But I don't know that that's going to happen either. I have a sneaky feeling this is going to be just thrown out. There, there. This is really what they call a nothing burger. There is nothing there. There there really is nothing there. And Bragg knows it. Bragg is out for his 15 minutes of fame. He's also probably was told to do this by his backer, George Soros. And don't think Obama's hand wasn't in this some way, somehow. You know it was. You know it was. Of course, you know. of course. Um, so I think this is also to take the attorney's minds off what I think is the only possible, even remote 
case, and that's the interference in the Georgia election, which was not really interference. Um, I don't think there's much to the classified documents, because if they indict Trump on this, they have to do the same to Biden. So I think that in the end is going to disappear. But I think this is, while the attorneys are focused on this nothing burger, the Georgia thing might slowly creep up into something. You know, I, I, I don't know because nothing like this has ever happened in our history before. I know we're we're in totally uncharted water. Exactly. You know, and here's here's another aspect of this thing that people have to understand. The the liberals are hoping this really prevents Trump from adequately campaigning or campaigning at all. I don't think they have any real hope. And I'm talking about the liberal elite here. I'm not talking about the the run-of-the-mill liberal voters. Run-of-the-mill liberal voters, they want to see Trump dressed in an orange suit and and sitting behind bars. And I I just don't think that's ever going to happen. But I don't think that's what the liberal elite are aiming for here. I think they just want to tie the man up in legal red tape to the point where he can't possibly get out and campaign, uh, thus never become uh, the president again. They fear him because they know his policies work, you know, and they don't want to have to try and undo it all again, you know, down the road. But I, I think there's also more to it than than just that. You know, they're looking at this as if we can tie him up in enough red tape with this case, that case, the other case, and maybe some other case, then then he can't campaign. But will that have a, a backfire effect on liberals when Republican voters and independent voters, maybe more importantly, start to look at this as piling on with a whole bunch of manufactured crap? Because... They saw this with Russia, Russia, Russia. They saw it with quid pro quo. They mm-hmm. saw it, you know, they're seeing it with January 6th. You know, if that piling on effect becomes the perception of independent voters, they could actually start shifting back to Trump just because they don't like that aspect of it. Except, except we all know that let's say Trump gets the nomination and let's say by some miracle, the voter fraud is negated and Trump gets in. Those same independents know we're still going to have witch hunt after witch hunt after witch hunt after witch hunt. The public is getting tired of it. They, they are for now, and I agree with you. And, and I think that's definitely uh, you know, a danger that, that we can't mm-hmm. ignore, right? Will, but, will but it stop how- Trump from campaigning? No. Trump will go out and campaign because he doesn't have to be present at all these things. His attorneys can be there to represent him, and he can do his campaigning. Well, but what I'm saying is, you know, how are the independents going to react when this becomes piling on uh, with with a bunch of nothing? Right now, what we're seeing is independents distancing themselves from Trump because they're they're tired of it, like you said. But six months from now, eight months from now, ten months from now, when this becomes piling on, uh, you know, and and so transparently 
political that it can never be ignored by anyone with a working brain cell. Will the independents start flowing back to Trump because they don't like that aspect of it? That we won't know until it happens or doesn't happen. Well, I think the other um, three indictments in the wings, so to speak, I don't think they're going to take months to happen. I think they're going to throw them out one right after another. Well, I, I agree with you. And I think we're, we're going to see about maybe four weeks between each indictment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Bragg told the judge, we want this to go to trial in January 2024. And I'll bet you that all the rest of them fall in that line. You know, one's going to be January 2024, one's going to be February uh, 2024, March 2024, so that they can keep him tied up in court as the primaries are beginning to occur. And the next pandemic will have started. That's exactly right. So there's a lot of balls in the air on this thing. There's a lot of nothing burgers that are are Mm -hmm. being served up on this thing, and It's a lot of it is, you know, uh, the outcome of a lot of this is going to depend on this first case. You know, Um, Bragg is is now suing Jim Jordan because Jim Jordan is trying to drag Bragg, you know, in front of the Judiciary Committee and for righteous reasons, I might add. And there's nothing wrong with him doing that. It's perfectly legal. No. In, in, In other words, what Bragg is is you know, saying through his own attorneys is how dare you question my corruption? <laughs> exactly. I That's mean, why Jim Jordan is perfectly, he is, has every right to demand that this man appear. Well, and, and what Jordan's trying to find out and the judiciary committee is trying to find out is Bragg has already said he used federal funds to pursue this case. Well, What federal funds did he use? How did he use them? Because using federal funds to pursue a local case is illegal. Okay, Exactly. And and so what what Bragg is saying by suing Jim Jordan is not only how dare you question my corruption, but if I have to go before you and tell you what I did with the money, then I'm going to be the one in trouble, so screw you. Yeah, well, guess what? Bragg is in a big amount of trouble, whether he wants to admit it or not. That's because very Jim true. Jordan is not the kind of man to back down to the likes of Bragg. No, Jim Jordan's kind of like a pit bull on a pork chop. Once he gets a hold of yes. it, he he ain't going to let go. Right. You know, exactly. it's it's just that simple. Folks, you can find my commentary, The Witch Hunt Exposed, at thenationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com. Do yourselves a favor. Go to rspradio1.com. You can get Diane's op-ed and my commentary both at the same place. Share the heck out of both of those links, and uh, we'll keep an eye on all of that for you. But, Diane, we've run out of time. So with that, I'll say nighty-night. Folks, have yourselves a great rest of the week. We'll catch up again with you on Friday. Bye-bye.